Wow. Come on, let's appreciate Lisa one more time. Amazing. Oh my goodness. When I was 20, before I was 20, I could sing as well. Uh, <laughs> but what an amazing song. And you know what? Maybe this is a song that somebody's claiming and saying, this is a year when I get to say those words to somebody else. But I thank God there are others who are saying, this is a year, and I say this to Jesus only. Hallelujah. All right. Somebody who's been around here knows what's going on. Uh, we have a great Saturday service. Let me just mention that as I start. Uh, for those of you who found this service a little crowded, we have a great Saturday service. Happens every Saturday, 5 to 7. So if you're considering a service where you're not in a rush and it's nice and cool, I want to invite you for that. And alongside with the Saturday service, uh, this coming Saturday is going to be a very special Saturday because it's the end of our series. It's going to be the end of our series, Finders Keepers. And we're going to do an event after the Saturday service, starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, that's when the service ends. It goes all the way to 8.30. And it's going to be a talk show or a special talk show format. And it's going to be talking about the issues we haven't had time to dive into here. As I re read the blog, there's so many issues people have with relationships. So we're hopefully going to be getting a chance to tackle some of those issues. Our special guests are going to be... Uh, Hmm, I like this guy. Pastor Simon, the man baby. Uh, those of you who know Pastor S, you just know what an amazing guy he is. So he's going to be coming back. He's flying in all the way from the United States. From America. He's coming in from the States. And uh, he's coming just to do this. Uh, he's been there for a little while. And we're so looking forward to it. To it. And he's going to be with his, a, a good friend of his, Edward Quatch. Uh, who's a famous uh, radio uh, show presenter. So they're going to be going at it, and we're hoping a couple of other people uh, confirm as well this week. So please look out for this next Saturday. If you're able to come, change your plans, uh, come on Saturday, would love that. And they're going to be discussing the topic of the day will be death of dating. The death of dating. What's gone wrong with dating today? Anybody who's been wondering about that? You need to be here. And we're going to have some special music from Aaron and uh, the, the great band that plays here at Mavuno Church. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal event. So please invite somebody, uh, somebody who wouldn't go to church, but tell them, come, let's, let's go talk about the death of dating. This is a topic, obviously, that many in this country are concerned about. Uh, my name is Pastor Moradi Wanjao, for those who don't know me. And I'm so excited to bring God's word to you today. Uh, first of all, let me just say, well done, Mavuno Church. Uh, this week... You were like crazy. You talked about finders keepers. You put it out in cyberspace. Uh, you put these videos on your Facebook page. To date, over 10,500 people have watched the two videos uh, over the last two weeks. Can you imagine 10,500 people? And we've had people watching from as far as Haiti, uh, Canada, from West Africa. We had somebody from Australia, somebody from Paris. Uh, people are watching this stuff and they're saying, this is helping me. This is changing my life. And it's all thanks to you. This week, uh, one, one, one person I really, really was uh, impressed by this. Uh, she's uh, Carol, Caroline Mutoko, uh, famous, very famous in this nation, uh, radio talk show host. She heard this message and she was so amazed, she decided to put it on her Facebook page, talked about it the whole morning on Friday morning and told the whole country, you go to Mavuno Church, you need this thing. And so Carol Motoko, if you're here, I know she was coming for one of our services. We want to say thank you for using the power of the media to put positive content across to our nation. We're so proud of you. Well done. And I want to just thank every, every one of you who's in, who's in media, uh, who's been using your platform to encourage people, to tell people we can do things differently. We can stop the madness. Uh, we can do this thing called dating in a completely different way. So I want to start by reading a blog post. Uh, we have a great blog and there have been amazing conversations. 
on that blog. I don't know if you've had a chance to go on it. If you haven't, you must. And just read some of the conversations. Many of you have been so open in sharing on that blog. And somebody called Already Wired. This is a guy, he's already wired. And he says, hey, Pastor M, from last week's sermon, I chose to take up the one-year challenge. I actually marked my phone calendar on January the 6th, 2013. Resume dating. <laughs> so our visitors, we talked about the fact that some of us just need to take a break from the craziness and get our lives sorted out first. And already why I'd say, during this one year, I've chosen to seek God to make him my leader as I find my purpose. It says, I read in the Bible, the one year Bible that I'm reading this year, and it says in Psalm 25, 15, it says, I focus on you, Lord, for only you can release my feet from the snare. And he said, this is exactly what I needed to read. I must confess because I failed so badly in the area of relationships. I can't seem to remain faithful to one girl. Even in periods of singlehood, I always had a backup chick to satisfy my needs. But, he says, but I resolved at the beginning of 2012 to start from a clean slate. And this series has come at a timely moment because it just goes to confirm what God was saying to me. In fact, my theme for this year is one purpose, God's love. And he says, by experiencing God's love, I intend to find my purpose. And this will help me become somebody else's, the one and only and he says, and this time it will be the only one. Uh, and he says, thank God for Mavuno Church. Come on, we can appreciate already wired. I want to say, I so thank God that he's already wiring you, already wired. And I pray that many men in this church, in fact, many men in this city, would be already wired. Because we know men need to be rewired, don't they? Hey, we need to think differently about relationships. And I want to say, if every man in Nairobi could become like this, could become completely rewired, this city would become a phenomenal city. It would be a safe city for ladies to live in. And I want to thank God for that man who, who's decided by God's grace, this is a year of recalibration. This is a year of being rewired. Now, I want to start with a question. Have you ever bought something that at the time you bought it looked like the best thing you'd ever seen? It was just perfect for you. I mean, you just bought it and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got this. And now you look back and you think, how stupid was I to have spent my money on something like that? Anybody ever had an experience like that? So like I bought it, it was like, oh my goodness, it was perfect. And then later on, I'm like, I have such a great, I mean, I, what was I thinking to have bought this? It seems like some of you have stories about this. You're already sharing them. Share with a neighbor. What, so, something you bought and later on you're like, oh my goodness, I wish I knew better. I would not have spent my money buying something like this. Okay, the other neighbor can share. You're telling your story. You're taking too long with your story. <laughs> my goodness. I can tell in that conversation a lot of wisdom is passing across. This is what you should never buy with your money. Can I tell you one decision I made, one, one buying decision I made that I really regretted? Let me, let me share mine. Let me share mine. It was a few years back and I decided at the beginning of the year to purchase some gym equipment from Nakumat, no less. I mean, it was to the protestation of my wife. My poor wife 
just felt this is not a good purchase. It's a waste of our hard-earned money. And I said, honey, my best Jack Bauer voice, trust me. I know what I'm doing here. And so I went and I got this gym and I, I put it up. And I mean, it was like all the, the whole set of dumbbells that went with it. It was a weightlifting bench. I went and set it up at home. I shined it. It was looking beautiful. I mean, it was like ready for work. And I got on the, on the machine and I worked it out for like two weeks. Then you know how life goes. I got busy and things just went haywire. And a few months later, I noticed my gym looking a little lonely. There were cobwebs forming under it by that time. Some old boxes had been put there. You know the boxes that people have no other space in the house to put on? They started using it as a, a storage space. I'm seeing some guys laughing nervously right now. And their wives are like, yes, even you did this. And anyway, so this thing has all the, the, the pile on it. Then a few months later, we had to move from this house into a much smaller house. So I couldn't even keep the thing assembled. I had to put it back into pieces. And we stored it in a corner of the porch that was the only space the thing could fit in i remember one day a friend came to visit our house and he's like my goodness you're wasting this thing let me take it home i can put it to good use and i looked at him so offended like why would you want to take my gym you think i don't have use for it you think i was just wasting my money i'm planning to use it but i want to say very humbly i think it's four years later honey you were right I'm so sorry. That was a waste of our hard-earned money. And I want to say it publicly. You are right. I know I've never said that about the gym. But I'm saying it right now. I am suffering from what is called buyer's remorse. Now, buyer's remorse is that sense of regret that comes after you made a purchase that you thought was the right thing. But later on, you wondered, what was I thinking of? I don't know if you've suffered from buyer's remorse. Clearly you have from the sharing that I could see from up here. I don't know what situation it was in. Some of you, it was gym membership at the beginning of this year. And you signed up with all the intention. You signed up for a whole year, no less. Because you are so sure this is the year. And right now, two months down the year, you're beginning to get this funny sense of feeling that maybe 2012 will not be the year you develop the six-pack after all. For some of you, it was that beautiful dress. I mean, you saw the sale sign. And for some of us, you can't pass by a sale sign. It might as well have your name on it. You see it and it's calling you. And you went towards it and you saw the dress. It was beautiful. And who cares that it was two sizes smaller? You are planning to diet anyway. So, so you bought this dress and you put it up at home as your inspiration. And now you're beginning to get this sense that size 8 just won't work with what you ate. <laughs> Maybe it was that designer sweatshirt. I mean, you wondered, how could they be selling such a beautiful thing in a stall like this? Nobody else discovered it and you're like, I'm taking this home. And you paid for it and you went home and you unwrapped it. Only to realize to your horror that the word said, Fufu. Not Fubu. What was I thinking? There's a friend of mine who told me about how he went and bought a portable DVD player. You've seen those things. It cost a whole lot of money. 
And this computer salesman convinced him, oh my goodness, this thing is all you need. When you travel, you can play your DVDs. And he was like, you know, I travel a lot. I can take this thing. Only to go home and realize his laptop could do the same thing. What a waste of money. But you know, some of you might identify with this one. You went in and you got a house. It was on rent. And you're like, I can't believe no one else has found this gem of a house. And you're the first one in. You didn't even waste time. You, you empezzled that deposit, two months deposit quickly. And you moved in before anybody else could discover it. Only to discover on Friday night that the neighborhood pub put on their speakers to head pounding music. And you had a migraine from Friday to Sunday when they finally put it off. And the counselor owns it, so nobody's doing anything about it. I can see some pain in this room right now. If you've ever experienced anything that I'm describing about right now, then you have a first-hand knowledge of buyer's remorse. Now, do you know this? That many people in this city are suffering from buyer's remorse when it comes to their relationships. Many broken hearts, many people who started with such aspirations, such hope, they were in love, they gave their heart to the other person only to have him or her trample on it, spit on it, and return to sender without the courtesy of even paying for postage. And right now where there was love, there's only bitterness, there's pain, there's baby mamas and baby daddies, there's abortions that have been sponsored, there's a messed life, all because of a situation they entered in in good faith, they're suffering from buyer's remorse. There are many married couples today who look at their spouse and they regret that they married this person. They think, how could I, what was I even thinking looking at him? Let alone being in the same room with that person. They're suffering in their marriage from an acute case of buyer's remorse. So the question of the day is how, how can we proof ourselves? How can we look after our relationships so that we don't enter into buyer's remorse. We don't find ourselves in that situation of buyer's remorse when it comes to our relationships. This is what we want to discuss in our message today. And as we do so, let me just invite our visitors into this conversation. We've been having a great time this month of February. We're talking about finders, keepers, how to find and keep the one. And we've been talking about the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're looking for the one right now, you're looking for somebody to join your life and become a, a partner with you. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you already found such a partner and you're already even married to them perhaps. It doesn't matter if you're not in any situation in your life right now where you're not looking you're, for, for some reason or the other. You're not looking to connect with a person like this. We've said this series is for you. We began last the first week with a very critical uh, point. And we said, you know, in a city where everybody is going crazy, looking for relationships to satisfy them, to fulfill them, stop searching for the one, be the one. And we said, if every single person, let me say this, if every single person in this church could begin to practice this truth, stop being like everybody else and just be the one, this city will be different. This city will change. People around you will notice and they will want what you have. Week two, which was last week, we looked at deal breakers. And we said in a, in a city where people have long lists of deal breakers, the kind of things that if this person doesn't have this, if this person, then I won't, no, 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 no. We said there are only two things that really count. Number one, one leader. Number two, one love. One leader, one love. And so today we want to go into a third 
uh, a third principle and it builds up on the other ones that we've been building on. And the message is entitled, Buyer's Remorse. I want us to turn to this, the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel and it is verse, uh, chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13, there's an amazing story about a young man who rushed into a relationship and he not only suffered an acute case of buyer's remorse, but he also destroyed his life in the process. So 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 to 10. And if you'll allow me, as you turn there, as you find that your space, 2 Samuel 13, verse 1 to 10, thank you for every one of you who brings your Bible so you can turn to it. Some of you have it on your phone. And by the way, let me say this. Uh, this in this church, you're allowed to turn on your phone and use it to tweet the message or to Facebook the message uh, because you've got friends who might not come to church anyway. And this is the only way they'll hear God's word. So feel free, turn on that web-enabled phone, and let's do this as well. So if you found it there, let me pray for us as we begin to look into God's word. Father, I thank you that you are so present in this place. It's so obvious that you're here. We can sense you. We know you're here. I'm asking you now, Lord, to come and speak to your people. Lord, we need you. We need your word. Your word changes us. It aligns us. It wires us to be different people, to be the people that you created us to be. I thank you for every person who's here, every person who's been coming here for years, every person who's visiting for the first time. Every one of us is here by your intent. None of us is here by coincidence. And so, Lord, I'm asking that now you would allow your word to come upon us. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. I pray that, Lord, you would open our eyes and help us to understand the things of your word. I pray that, Lord, none of us would be distracted. There's so many things that would distract us in our lives from hearing your word this morning. But, Lord, we just want to stand against those things. I want to stand against those things right now and to speak security over your people. I disband, I, dis, I, I, I dismember, I remove any authority, anything that would distract your people from hearing you. Lord, I come against the evil one, the enemy of their soul, and I bind his works. And I say that he has no authority to operate in this place. Only Jesus is exalted here. And I pray that every thought that is thought in this place will be one that brings you glory. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We say, speak to us. For it's in your name we pray. God's people said, amen. Second Samuel chapter 13. And this is what it says. It says, in the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now, I just need to put some context here. Uh, this, the reason she's somebody else's sister, but also his sister, is because they're related through the same father, but different mothers. So Amnon is a firstborn, Absalom is a thirdborn, same father, different mothers, and the sister, the only sister in the family, uh, by the way, the only one of David's children who was a girl, is related to the thirdborn, Absalom. She's a sister, a full sister of Absalom. Verse 3, now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shimei, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard? Morning after morning. What'd you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed. Pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, 
I would like my sister Tama to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David said, word to Tamar at the palace. Go to the house of your brother Amnon. Prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here in my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. Amnon was a firstborn son of King David. First of 19 brothers. He was the crown prince. He lived, oh, this, this story takes place in a time when his father had vanquished and conquered all the enemies that had disturbed God's people. And so the country was in a, a season of peace and prosperity. And as crown prince, Amnon was next in line to inherit the glorious destiny of his father David. He was the one that everybody looked to as his father's successor. Everything was going well for Amnon. Everything looked rosy for his future. But that was until he fell in love, madly in love, with a beautiful woman. Oh, this man was so in love. I mean, he lost his mind. He didn't know what to think. Whenever he saw her, the only thing he could think of in his head was, if you know this, sing it with me. When a man loves a woman, can't get it out of his mind. <laughs> He'd trade the world for the good thing he's found. When he sees her, she can't do no wrong. Mm -hmm. Turn his back to his best friend if he speaks badly of her. Oh! Oh! I can't believe I just did that. Maybe I should stick to my day job. This brother was in love! with a woman ever seen somebody in love I mean his mind was gone he couldn't think of anything else he, he, his eyes were bloodshot his hair was, was ruffled up he, he looked like he hadn't slept for weeks this man was in love look slightly at your neighbor right now see anybody in love in this church Do they look like they have the symptoms Amnon was in love with a beautiful woman. People change when they're in love, don't they? This guy was completely different. He showed on his face. But there were sudden problems with the infatuation that this gentleman was feeling. I want to read the rest of the story because it's an amazing story here. It's a powerful story. 
and one that speaks to our generation. 13 verse 11. But when she took it to him to eat, remember she was taking food to him to eat from his hand in the bedroom. <laughs> when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. Don't, my brother, she said to him. Don't force me. Such a thing has not been done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? What could, where could I get rid of my disgrace? What about you? You would be like one of those wicked fools in Israel. Please, speak to the king. He would not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with an intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up, get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of here. Bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And she was wearing a richly ornamented robe. For this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tama put ashes on her head, tore her ornamented robe that she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tama lived in her brother Absalom's house. A desolate woman. When King David heard about all this, he was furious. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister. Problem number one. The person that Amnon was so in love with was inaccessible to him. God's word clearly said that there are boundaries in our relationships. And that a man and his half-sister, people who are related by blood in that way, could not have sexual relations or be married. Leviticus chapter 18 verse 11 clearly put this out. And he knew God's word. Problem number two was that he turned to the wrong person for advice. His cousin, Jonadab, was this guy who advised him that he could do anything he wanted as a crown prince. Now, if you read the story later, you're going to find out that this same guy is the first guy to gloat when this thing blew up in Amnon's face. Point to note, when it comes to romantic relationships, be very careful who you listen to for advice. There's lots of advice out there. The internet is full of it full of it. The media, the radio stations are full of it. But when it comes to this, be careful because your minds, our minds are constantly being brainwashed by the wrong advice. This was Amnon's problem. Problem number three is that the mess that resulted from his selfish actions was so drastic that we couldn't even possibly begin to cover it in this message. We need a whole series to talk about it. Rape, incest, these are evils that even today in our city 
are destroying many people's lives. Many homes being destroyed by these two sins. And we could take a long time just to talk about them according to God's word. But that's not what we're going to do today. Because today I want to focus on one thing in this story. And it is that there's a clear and present danger of being led by our feelings when it comes to our romantic relationships. Today many people are accelerating from acquaintance to intimacy. Zero to sixty. In, going in 60 seconds. They're accelerating without even thinking. Without passing those necessary stages that are in between. And as a result, many people are blowing up their lives in the process. Unaware how destructive this approach is to the very thing that they're looking for. The intimate relationship that they're looking for will not be achieved by doing the thing that they're doing. You see, I see several problems in this text of basing a relationship on romantic feelings and attraction rather than good old-fashioned friendship. First problem, it's impossible to truly know the other person. It's impossible, impossible, completely to know the other person. Verse 2, Amnon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar. He's in love. Verse 17, he called his personal assistant and said, Get this woman out of here and bolt the door after her. What? Is it the same person speaking? About the same object of affection? What could have changed? One minute, he's obsessed about her. The other minute, he can't wait to get out of his presence. One minute, he's saying she's the one he loves. The next minute, he's calling her this woman. What changed? By the way, let me just ask a question at this point. Have you ever seen this kind of change in behavior in relationships? What kind of madness is that? That one minute you would have loved this person or said you did, and then the next minute you're hating each other, you're hurting each other, you're killing each other in your marriage. What could cause this kind of thing? You see, basing your relationship on feelings hinders your ability to truly know the other person. It creates an artificial environment for two people to interact. Too many couples rush from acquaintance to intimacy to marriage without ever knowing the other person. They're literally strangers on their wedding day. They say they're in love with one another. But like Amnon, what they're actually in love with is the feeling that comes when they're in the company of the other person. They're in love with being in love. So here you are. This guy is so wild about you. What you don't realize is you could substitute you with another woman and be feeling the same thing all the time. And if you leave him, he will not be able to stay several months before he's found somebody else. Because it's not you he's in love with. He's in love with being in love. This is what many people have confused for loving the other person. And so they rush into emotional and sexual involvement without ever taking time to know the other person. I'm so in love with her. Oh, he makes me feel so good. He's so much fun to be with. I can't wait for happily ever after. But who told you that being fun on a date necessarily equates to a good marriage partner? There's no equal sign necessarily between those two things. In fact, sometimes this 
fun that this person generates for you on the date could be the very thing that is blinding you from discovering the real person that you must be discovering in that state. You need to be able to see them in real life settings, in church, with their family members, with their friends. How does he interact with the people who know him the most? How does she react when things go, don't go perfectly? What is his relationship with his mother and with his sisters like? Who are her really good friends and what do they think about her? Two years into your marriage, these are the questions that will really matter. These are the questions you'll be glad you had the answers to. And these questions have to do much more with character than with feelings and emotions. And so what we're saying today is this. To avoid buyer's remorse, friendship must come before intimacy. Or if I can put it in an old-fashioned way, socialize before you specialize. Tell your neighbor, socialize before you specialize. If your neighbor is single, they're thanking you for that advice right now. If they're married, they're probably saying, I wish I knew this some time ago. Second problem of having a relationship based on feelings. It isolates you from vital relationships. It isolates you from vital relationships. Verse 9. Send everyone out of here. Amnon quickly set the stage for what he was intending to do. Many couples today are like, Amnon, get everybody out of here. Get all the friends out of the room. We need to be together. When Tamar realized his plans, because this was not a two-sided relationship, this is a very different kind of relationship. It wasn't even a relationship. But when she realized the plan, she said to him, in a sense, pleading for her life, please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. Look for good advice. Find good counsel. But that was the last thing on Amnon's mind. He was focused on getting what he wanted, regardless of what anybody else around him thought. You know, I want to say that today, many couples are just like Amnon. They pair off, isolating themselves, rushing off into intimacy. They're so in love, they don't really want to know what other people think. They don't want to seek counsel or wisdom or allow other people into their relationship to speak into it. They don't really care. Sometimes they look like they care. They come up and say, Pastor M, this is a person... She's my girlfriend. We're really looking for mentoring from you. We really want to know what God is saying. But you can tell us he's looking at you. He doesn't want to know what you have to say. He doesn't really care. He's made up his mind. It doesn't matter what you say. He's looking for you to endorse his decision. I refuse to be a rubber stump for foolishness. Many of you are asking your friends to rubber stump your foolish decision. I refuse to be a rubber stump for foolishness. Maybe you need to tell your friends this. This is what friends are for. You're asking me for wisdom. I know you so well. So allow me then to speak into it. But you come with a decision pre-made and you're inviting me to a wedding and you hope that I can come and say, oh, praise God. you live happily ever after. No, you might not. Socialize before you specialize. You see, the Hollywood picture of relationships is two people who are so focused on each other that they completely ignore the rest 
of the world. It's us against the world. That's what we think. It's a lie. It's a lie. Some people spend every waking moment looking deeply into each other's eyes. What's that about? How will that help you in the future? Those eyes won't change. They'll still be there. Focus on something else. Some people have just met after three weeks. They're already talking about such deep, intimate things. Like how, look at me and look at you. We'll make some beautiful babies together. How is that helpful? To help you get to know the other person. You're wasting each other's time. You should be getting to engage in deeper issues. This is what I call premature intimacy. I have a good friend of mine. He was a really good friend. And he entered a, a, a dating relationship. And I mean, they were so in love. Really loved this person. I mean, we were tight with my boy, but what would happen is whenever she walked into the room, whenever she came where we were, I'd just get this strange feeling. I would just get this strange feeling. You know, I was really good friends, but I'd just get this strange feeling. Like the third wheel on a bicycle. You know what bicycles, they don't need a third wheel. That's the feeling I'd get. And they'd look at me like, so? Basically, the look was telling me, and was there a better place for you to be right now? And so I'd find myself saying, well, actually, yeah, I was, <laughs> it's really nice to see you guys. No! But you know what happened? They isolated themselves. And what happened is a time came when they had issues in their relationship and they had no one to turn to for help. And a few months later, they went through a difficult break, breakup, a messy breakup. And the sad thing was, I had seen it coming for months, as had some other of their friends, and never felt the freedom to speak into it. In fact, every time I tried to speak, speak to the hand, I could tell I wasn't welcome in that situation. Perhaps you've done a similar thing. You've rushed too quickly into close relationship, isolating your family and your friend, uh, family members and your friend, the people who know you and love you the most. In that situation, it's so likely that you will lose focus, you lose perspective, and you make the wrong decisions, just like Amnon did. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. They succeed. Who are your advisors? Who are the friends who will speak into your relationship? Friendship must come before intimacy. Socialize. Before you specialize. Third problem. Third problem of basing a, friendship, a relationship on feelings rather than genuine friendship. And this is a very serious one. It can sabotage your destiny. It can sabotage your destiny. Verse 22. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister, Tamar. As you read those words, you know this is not the end of the story. You know there's a sequel coming. And sure enough, Absalom bids his time. Waits until all oh, the whole matter has blown over and everybody's forgotten about it. Waits until there's no suspicion anymore. Throws a party. And then cold-bloodedly murders his brother Amnon. This young man, so full of potential and promise, with such a great destiny ahead of him. It snuffed out in one minute. 
because of a stupid decision that he made based on his feelings. Not only that, he sabotages his destiny and he destroys Tama's destiny in the process. You know, many today are bleeding and hurting. They rushed into premature intimacy instead of building on a foundation of friendship. And as a result, right now, they are so caught up with the consequences of the brokenness, the things that they're carrying, the bitterness, the physical consequences of the mistakes that they made in relationship, that they have so little time to focus on their God-given purpose. They have so little time to discover who God made them to be. They've been detoured from their purpose. And in the process, there are many who have left a trail of bleeding hearts behind them, destroyed other lives as they destroyed their own. It's time to stop the madness. Time to say no more. To avoid bias remorse, friendship must come before intimacy. Socialize before you specialize. Now last week, we spoke about the importance of one leader, one love. And we said that these are the two deal breakers. These are the two things that if they're not in your relationship, you must be asking the right questions about them. If this person doesn't share the same leader with you, it's a no-go area. If they don't have the same purpose, the same love as you do, then you must begin to engage in conversation about that and to discover what does this look like? What will this look like for us in the future? But I want to say this. Even when you have those two things going for you, you must still build a foundation of friendship before you can take it to another level. You know, to me, there's so many people I see today who just don't want to skip all the preliminaries and just go straight to the main point, the main thing in the relationship. They want to get intimate quickly. And I think of it like going with somebody to a fine restaurant. You, know, you take somebody to a fine restaurant where all the meals come in courses. Have you ever been to a restaurant where the meals come in courses? It's such a nice restaurant. But this person is in a hurry. They're wondering, do we have time? They look at this, they're saying soup, uh, salad, and then we're saying, uh, after that, there's main appetite, there's main course, and then there's dessert, and then there's co Why are we wasting time taking all these things? And they tell the chef, listen, this is a waste of time. Just bring them together. In fact, blend them. Puree them together and just bring them at once so that we can eat them at once. And so the chef obeys and comes back with your meal in a glass with a straw. Oh, it's got ice cream, French onion soup, pork chops, and sukuma wiki, all thrown in together. Here's your dinner. What do you think? Yuck! Yuck! But I want to say this. There are so many relationships in this city that are so yuck! <sighs> God, give me the words to speak into somebody today. There are so many relationships that are so yuck because you don't want to go through the stages. The chef in heaven has presented the courses for you. But you just want to blend it and eat it together. What an unappetizing mess you're creating of your life and of your relationships. Why would anyone want to do that? Oh, some people before they've even thought of commitment. Before they're even ready for the commitment of anything. They're already looking deeply into each other's eyes, drinking of love. What is that about? 
Ah, no wonder relationships are the way they are in this city today. How do we avoid rushing too quickly into premature intimacy? How do we take our relationships through the necessary stages to get us where God wants us to be before we can move on to the next level of intimacy? I want to share three things, three arenas that you need to focus on with this person before you agree to take it to the next level. Three arenas. And the first one is a social arena. The first one is a social arena. Now I want to say this. If you're already married, you already did this, uh, maybe, you, maybe you didn't follow these steps, it's not too late. God is a God of second chances. And He's able to bring you back to where you needed to have started. If you're already in a relationship and you've gone too fast, don't worry. Our God is a God of second chances. He can help you, bring you back to the foundation that you need for that relationship. And if you're in that place where, praise God, you're not in a relationship yet and you're listening to this. I've, I've seen quite a few people, by the way, on the blog writing, I so wish someone told me this before I entered my relationships. I'm so glad for the young people who are hearing this before they've made the mistakes I've made. By the way, thank you for every one of you who shared from your life to help other people in this church. And I want to say for those of you who are in that place, praise God for you. You have a chance to get the leakage. You're, you're getting the Mwakenya. That's what we call it in this country. You're getting the leakage that you, will help you when you face this situation when you find yourself getting into a romantic relationship. Number one, social arena. Once, you're clear that you're, once it's clear that you're interested in someone, instead of both of you abandoning your existing relationships like many do and rushing quickly into isolation and intimacy, you need to begin by inviting the other person into your social circles. Hey, get them to know your friends. In fact, since you come to Mavuno, invite them into your life group. What a great way to do it. You know, you, you find the person, you find somebody, you, you actually are getting to like each other as you talk, and you're like, you know what? I'm ready for you to take this to the next level. Can you join my life group? How's that for a pickup line? It's like, look, look, before, you, before we can go this any further, my friends need to know you. So let's join the group. No pressure. This is not a commitment for anything. We're just joining the group, and I'm going to tell the group who you are. So when, they when you come and sit, They'll know you're a guy who's interested in me. And that's okay. You can be one of us. And likewise, you can join his group as well. Because the idea is, you get to see his friends. You get to see him interacting with your friends. You get to see, he gets to see you interacting with his friends. And there's no pressure because it's not just the one-to-one. -one. You know, we isolate ourselves and the only relationship he has to impress is you. Let me tell you what, with an audience of one, I can impress you for 20 years. If you're the only person I have to impress, I can put on the act. But you know what they say, you can't fool all the people all the time. So this is a great way. For the first three months, let's join our life group. Let's not even talk about drinking the, the drink of love at this point. We're not even qualified to speak. We're strangers. We're acquaintances. So let's first begin in this way. And you know, you get to socialize in this way. And do it without expectation. And maybe after some time you say, okay, I think we're ready to take this to the next level. I think I like what I see. And what I'd say at this point, then... You can begin to meet each other. By the way, listen to this closely. This is going to be completely countercultural. Nobody ever taught you this. You can begin to see each other, but limit the number of times you see each other every week. Don't leave the office rushing for coffee. Give yourself days. Say, we meet on Sunday after church. Mavuno has kindly provided a calabash restaurant for us. We can be meeting there and just look at each other and talk about important things. 
And you can say on Thursday night, we'll be meeting. And by the way, limit those dates to public places. Not in your house watching a movie. But they don't even go for a movie. At that point, I'm like, why are you watching a movie with somebody? That's two hours wasted being entertained by somebody else when you should have been learning about one another. Ban movies for the first three months, at least the two of you. You can go for plots with your life group because you're still, you're still engaging with your social circle together. But now you have a couple of dates that you're doing together. Now, somebody needs to be writing this down because I'm giving you a guideline for life. These are not do's and don'ts. These are not rules. But I'm giving you advice for those of you who are in that place. And some of you are going to come back to me and say, thank you, Pastor M, that you gave me this advice. It saved my life. Now, at this point, don't crowd out your other relationships. Allow those relationships to still speak into you. One of the things I really thank God for my wife and I is that when we began to uh, take this to the next level and decide we want to have a relationship, I told you last week we were part of a singing group together, a music team at Nairobi Chapel. And so we did ministry together every week. It was a great way to get to interact, to get to see each other. And we hung out together as a group. And after practice, sometimes after church, sometimes even during the week, we'd have random plots. We'd go together. We'd go to restaurants. We'd go to movies. We'd go to different places. It was an amazing, amazing time. I, it's, it's amazing. One of my friends is actually here, Emmanuel. This guy was my roommate in Compass. He's back from South Africa. It's so great to have you here, Emmanuel. But he knows. He can testify and tell you this is exactly what we did. We're a group of about seven or eight of us, and we'd go out and have coffee. We'd go out and have a movie. No pressure on our relationship. And I want to say this, that the amazing thing for us is 18 years into our married life, Many in that group are still good friends of ours. And some of the people that were mentoring us or speaking into our lives at that time are still the closest confidence that we have in our marriage right now. If we have a problem between us, those are the first people we'll call. 18 years, they're still walking with us. This became our real family friends. We didn't isolate. We called help. And that help has seen us through difficult times in our own marriage. Who are your common friends? Who are the people that you're seeing together, you're good friends with together? Socialize before you specialize. Second area to grow in relationship with. Some of you are looking at me like, do -de -de. Left the building. Because this is so different from what you listen to class on, on Classic FM in the morning, isn't it? It's completely different. But this is why there's a mess that Classic FM has something to talk about. Because we don't understand how to go about God's relationships God's way. Number two, intellectual arena. Build on your intellectual arena. And this involves learning to communicate. Learn to communicate. Many people, the extent of communication when they're dating is, oh my gosh, your eyes are so beautiful when the light just shines on them. Wow! Now the light will be shining on her eyes long after you're married. There are other things that are more inte intellectual, intelligent, that you should be spending your time. Such as, I want to know you and the kind of person you are. Too many people just start meeting and they just want to spend time soaking into one another. Talking about sweet nothings. And that's exactly what they are. They may stay sweet, but they're nothing. When a guy tells you, man, I love your dress. Tell him, thank you. That's a good compliment. Now let's move on. We can't spend the whole time look, talking about how good I look. What about the day you see me in hospital? Not, with no makeup, not looking good. What will you talk about at that point? We need more to talk about than just how good I look. So you must grow intellectually together as a couple. 
And one of the greatest ways to do this is to read books together. I want to just throw this as an example, as, as an idea for somebody here. Read good books together. This is something that I've really and we enjoyed doing a lot in our relationship. We read books when we were dating. A couple of good books I want to throw out to somebody right now who's thinking they want to enter a, a, a dating relationship. Uh, it's by a man called Joshua Harris. And it's called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I know, weird title. You'll be glad you read it. And I'm hoping we can actually get a couple of, of those books next week and we can sell them. If we're able to, I'll, I'll tell you if they're here. Another one that's really good uh, by the same author, Joshua Harris, is called Boy Meets Girl. And this is great for you if you're already in a relationship. And so by the time you're going to the Calabash, you have content to discuss. You're not just going and, oh, your dress looks good. Oh, your eyes look good. Oh, what did you think of chapter 3? And you know what's going to happen? You're going to, see, you're going to start reacting to bigger ideas than just yourself. You start to see this person react to big ideas. You say, what do you mean you don't agree with that? I fully agreed with it. Why wouldn't you agree with that? And you find yourself having a meaningful conversation that is growing you together. So this is something that I found very useful for us. I want to say this, that even for those of you who are, still, who are already married, it's not too late for you to grow intellectually together. Too many couples who are married, the extent of their relationship and conversation is, how are the children? What's for dinner? What's on TV? Oh, no wonder so many couples are growing apart in our city. And I found, by the way, that even now the need to grow intellectually still continues for my wife and I. We read a lot together. I read books and I share with her. She reads books and she shares with me. And we share ideas. We grow together. We have many common passions. And it's a great thing to do. It grows us in our relationship. I want to throw that out because I want to say that we need to grow intellectually. And for those of you who are not yet married, I want to say this. Socialize before you specialize. This will help you get to know the other person. The third area is a spiritual arena. This is the last one I'll talk about. The spiritual arena. This sets the foundation for spiritual oneness. The thing that will help you to weather the storms in your married life if God takes you that way. How do you begin to grow spiritually together? It's an important thing. You must have a spiritual foundation as a couple if God takes you forward. And so the thing you must begin to do is ask, how are we growing spiritually together? I, I can throw out suggestions here. There's no law. There's no legal way to do it. There's no necessarily, this is the only way to do it. But one of the greatest ways to do it is do a, one of our courses together. Do easy. Join together. Our 10-week course that helps you discover your purpose. What a great way to connect and to learn together. Uh, take, take Noah together. That's our 10-week course to prepare for marriage. That's when you're ready for marriage, of course. And begin to study that together. Another great way, and another thing you could do is to serve in a ministry together. Sign up and serve in a ministry together. It expands your circle and gets you to do things. If you're already married, you must be concerned about their, their interests outside the house. What are they interested in? What are their social interests, their, their entertainment interests? How do you get to know those things and participate with them in those things? Being able to enter into each other's worlds, you must have this. Because as you do it, you, even know, you, you begin to pray for one another. This is one thing, by the way, my wife and I, we, we love to do this. Many years of marriage later, we love to pray together. It's one of my favorite times of the week when we sit down, just the two of us, read God's word, talk about what it means to us, and then spend time praying for one another. 
want to tell you this, guys. There are many people who think that the best way to improve your sex life is to read porn and to do all kinds of things to prepare for it. I want to tell you, having a spiritual foundation sizzling. If you didn't understand that, that's okay. You're not there yet. I want to conclude. Let me speak to the ladies in this church. Uh, if you'll allow me to speak to the ladies. Ladies, this is, out, this is off the script. It's not, it's not what was in my message. I didn't prepare this. But I just feel I need to say it. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say there are no good men around. Where are all the good men? Here's something that I have come to believe. You know what happens when many of us, when, when, we, when, we, when we leave college, uh, when we leave school, and we start to work, I've come to understand something very interesting happens in this city. That for a lot of the ladies, you have direct, it's not foreign investment, but it's domestic investment. Because somehow, for, and I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing here, so don't, don't, uh, don't sue me if this is not correct for you. But for a lot of the ladies, your, your, your daddy or somebody makes it a little easier for you to leave the house. For most of the guys, we get kicked out of the house. The last time, I mean, I received anything from my father in form of investment of any kind was when I left, how, when I, when I left the house to enter college in Form 6. Never again! My sister, who's almost 40, still comes to town and expects my dad to drop her places, and he does so willingly. So, so guess what happens? When all the guys, and when we all leave school, the guys drop out. Why? Because they're in Kaloleni. That's all they can afford at that point. They don't have a car because right now they're thinking of a business to get them to the next level. Meanwhile, you're driving your, your Vits or your Pujo, whatever it is. And you're saying, they're no good guys. Because when the guy comes into my life, he must be driving. I'm saying, ladies, you're looking in the wrong place. There are good men in this church. There are good men in this church. They're in your life group. It's just that you never think of them that way because you're looking for a guy who's like you. The guy who's like you was probably given direct assistance by his father. He's a spoiled boy. Because somebody's going to thank me because I say that. Somebody's going to thank me because I say that. So, so, so I'm just putting that out here. And I'm saying some of the ladies who've been saying there are no men, they're there. Can I speak to the guys right now? Guys, I want to say this. And I, I, I'm speaking now here just as a concerned father, as somebody who's just seen this. There are many of us who are breaking hearts, innocently, in quotes, being friends with almost every other girl in this church, or having fellowship taking her out for coffee for fellowship. Shindwe. Don't start what you're not ready to finish. So, so let me give you some advice. One, one, I've shared this before. When I was a younger man and I was doing the same thing you're doing right now, my pastor called me aside. I'm going to do the same thing to you this morning. My pastor called me aside. He said, Maravi, there are two kinds of men. There are those men who lead men and there are those men who run after women. Choose the one you want to be today. Speaking to a man in this congregation right now. Because you have a bad reputation among the sisters in this church. Don't enter something you're not ready to continue in. And you know what? Ladies engage with their heart. So the minute you start complimenting her hair, and you're, that's all you're saying, you have great hair. She hasn't had that. She's had something else. Keep your compliments to yourself until you're ready to go to the next level. I'm, 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 here's, here's my motive in sharing this stuff, by the way. I long for a healthy church. 
a safe church where there are good relationships. The Bible talks about older ladies looking at younger ladies as their sisters. Older men treating younger men as their brothers, as, as, their, as their sons and as their daughters. Looking at each other and treating one another as brothers and sisters. Protecting one another. I long to see our life groups becoming our community where we come around one another and we say, listen, introduce us to him. We want to check him out for you. Not in a bad way, but because we love you. We want to look out for one another. I believe that these are the kind of healthy relationships that God is calling us. Too many times I hear somebody say, oh, this guy messed up with my heart and he's even a leader in Mavuno Church. You say, oh my goodness, let's wake up. Let's not give the devil a foothold in our relationships. I want to conclude. I've talked enough. I want to pray for a couple of groups of people here. Now, I want to say next week, grand finale. It's going to be really good. We're going to be talking about the next level. We're going to talk about sex. When? How often? <laughs> no, no. Be here. Be here. Bring your friends. It's going to be remarkable. It's going to be amazing. But I, 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 I want to... Um, just pray for a couple of people that the Lord said this morning I must pray for. Uh, and the first group is somebody who is here. You've been hearing this message. We've been laughing about it. It's been a fun message. But listen, right now there's just a sense of, oh my goodness, I have messed up. I've messed my life. I've messed myself because of relationships. I've made so many bad decisions. I've taken advantage of other people without even knowing what I was doing. Other people are here and it's like my, I've allowed other people to take advantage of me. Messed everything in my life. And I'm wondering right now whether God could ever restore this broken vessel. And I want to say to you that our Father says, yes, He can. He's a God of the second chances. He loves you so much. And so if you're here, I'm going to pray for you in a second. The other group of people I want to pray for are people who are in a dating relationship right now. But as I've been speaking, you realize you've moved too fast in your relationship. You're in intimacy without friendship. And right now, maybe you're even nudging each other and saying, this is, a, this is us he's talking about. Let's just be, let's, let's stand and make this right with God. We might even need to take a few steps back in our relationships. Make things right with God and begin to grow the way God wants us to. There's some of you who are already married. God wants me to pray for you as well. Because right now you're realizing there's no foundation of, of friendship in our marriage. We're so focused on just living, surviving. We're not thriving in our friendship. And right now, maybe you're with your spouse and they're shaking you and saying, that's us. We need to stand up and receive prayer together. If you're any one of these categories, stand up to your feet right now. Don't even worry about who's here. It's not about them. It's about you. Just stand to your feet right now and say, Pastor M, pray for me. Pray for me because this, this is me you're speaking about. Thank God for everyone who's standing up right now. Come on, let's appreciate them as they stand to their feet all across the building, outside as well, in the mini dome as well. Just stand wherever you are. We're saying, Lord, I want you to put me back together again. There's somebody here right now. Don't be in denial. The Lord is speaking to you. And you're saying, Lord, I know it's me he's talking about. Don't be shy. This is the time for you to come to your father. He loves you. He's able to restore you, to put you back together again. If you're with your spouse and you need to stand up together, don't resist. Tell them, let's stand up. He's talking to us right now. We're going to give thanks to God for every one of you. Let's appreciate them again as they're standing. I'm going to invite you to just stretch out your hands in front of you. It's a sign of surrender. Just stretch out your hands and begin to surrender your relationships. Begin to surrender that marriage if you're in a marriage. Begin to surrender yourself if you're in that place where you've been so broken because of bad decisions in relationship. Begin to say, God, I need you. Come in. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Lord Jesus, thank you as you receive these prayers. These are great people who are standing up. 
despite the pain, despite the things that they've been through. I thank you that you so love them. You so love them. You so love them. I thank you that they've been bold enough this morning to stand up in the presence of God's people to say, Pastor, pray for me. Lord, I want to thank you because you're the one who is mighty to save. As we said, Lord, you did it for us on that cross. You gave your life that we may have full lives, abundant lives. And Lord, this is your desire for your children right now. And so right now, I thank you that, Lord, you're able to put back together a broken person in this place. And right now, I speak your healing. I speak your restoration of our life that has been broken. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're able to help a couple, a relationship that started off the wrong way to finish well. I thank you for all those who are standing right now in a relationship saying, Lord, we've moved too fast, but we're ready to move a few steps back now and go at your pace build a friendship and thank you that Lord these are couples you can use to glorify yourself even in this church Lord I pray for the I thank you for the couples who are standing up right now who are saying our marriage is in a mess we don't have a foundation of friendship everything looks good from the outside but I know that I know that I know that we're not as close as we should be we've neglected this foundation and I pray for them that Lord you would come in and you would bless this marriage and that, Father God, you would bring these people back together. Even for that wife or husband who's here by themselves because their spouse couldn't care to be here. I pray that, Lord, you would go into those spaces and that you begin to restore, to build, to bring together this relationship. And I pray that, Lord, in one time to come, this couple will be a model for other couples. People would look at them and say, surely marriage works. Surely God works in marriage. And so, Lord, we thank you for every single person here. I bless them now, and I speak your blessing over their lives. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord a big hand. Father, we thank you, Lord. Let's all stand to our feet as we do that. I want to bless you as you go out into the week. Remember, next Saturday we have a great event. Please be here. Friday as well, we have the worship night. It's going to be a great week for us at Moguno. Please remember to blog about this. Go on our blog and just blog about what is the Lord telling you. If you have questions, please put them on. We'll see if we can address them during the forum. But sure. I want to ask you to raise your hands right now that I can speak God's blessing over your life. Father, see your people surrendered to you, raising their hands in surrender, saying your will be done in our lives. Thank you that it's your desire that we thrive in 2012 and especially in this area of our relationships. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you're putting back together our lives, aligning us so that, Lord, you make a distinction between us and those who are not of you. And, Lord, I pray that in this city you begin to make that distinction. Oh, Lord, I pray that this week you begin to set a distinction between your children, that other people would look at them and say, there's something beautiful that you have that I want in my own life. I speak a blessing over their business. I speak a blessing over their family. I speak a blessing over their pursuits. I speak a blessing over their prayer life, over their reading your word. Bless them in every way, Lord. Glorify yourself in their lives. I pray that, Lord, at the end of this year, they'll be able to have a testimony that I have thrived in 2012. To God be the glory. If you have any prayer request, any prayer need that you have, you need to have someone pray with you. We have a prayer tent right at the end of this service. And you can stay behind for a minute to get our prayer counselors to pray for you. So, Lord, now I just bless your children. I speak your blessing over them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say, 
Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Come on, tell your give your neighbor a high five. Tell them socialize. 